Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Oh, good afternoon. I'm Zach sitting in for Rob Breckenridge today. It's 1235 and uh, it's Friday. What a fantastic thing to be able to say. I like that. Today on the program, um, we're going to cover a lot of different things. Uh, my big three things today that we're looking at is um, fulfillment. We're going to talk about fulfillment a little bit. If you've ever thought to yourself, I've got a good job, but I want something more. Uh, there's a new book out by Debbie Travis, the interior designer lady, TV shows, all that stuff. And it's, uh, it's really exciting conversation to be able to have. And I look forward to that coming up this afternoon as we do uh, check in with her and see what the book is about and why in the world, if you have such a great career, you would want to change it. I find that personally interesting for me. And I think that all of us go through that at some point in our lives. I look forward to that one. Also, consistency. There's a lot of things going on in our, our world today. And I think we're starting to see a pattern. And I'm going to try to assert that pattern today. Hopefully, we get there of the things that we see going on all over the world. And we're also going to start the show talking a little bit about innovation and what is innovation. Before we get to that, though, I wanted to um, reintroduce myself to you. I fill in for Rob from time to time. I will be over the next few weeks as we get into the holiday season. That's kind of what happens. And you can hear me on Q107 mostly. Uh, yeah, appreciate that. I'm a dad, two kids, a uh, son and a daughter. And I'm a business owner and been doing radio for a couple of decades. So I appreciate you sharing your time with me today. This is your show. This is not my show. And everything that we get to go through uh, today, you get to take me there. I love this show because of the dialogue. So I do invite your phone calls. 974-8255-974-TALK. You can text to that same number too, but again, the invitation's there. Um, we're here to learn. You're going to teach me an awful lot of things today. So I look forward to that one. As we get into the, uh, the start of the program here, um, there's a lot of words that are flying around business today. There's been a lot of talk about restaurants struggling and new innovation in restaurants and new innovation in apps and all that stuff. There's also another side of that, and that would be disruption. Some articles have come out talking about what is disruption, and, and this is a, a big deal, and it's a great thing, and disruptors are changing the world, and they're good for everybody. And I'm curious what a, a, an expert might say about that, because I don't see it. I think disruption services one group only. Now, it's not like business needs to... Uh, Business can't happen. I'm not asserting that at all. And I'm not asserting that, you know, we need to, you know, handhold everybody here. I just think that in the grand scope of economics and business, there's an awful lot of talk about disruption. And what's getting lost is a little bit of innovation. Joining me on the program is Terry. Is it Solius? Yeah, that's right. Yes. I practiced that like 10 times, Terry. You succeeded, good sir. Thank you very much. Uh, Terry joins us from Queen's University. He's a PhD candidate in education. Now, Terry, uh, we wanted to talk a little bit about this world that we hear of disruption. 
when let's create some context and some uh, basic uh, agreements of what that looks like here um what is disruption for you so uh first thanks so much for having me on um disruption to me is kind of the the breaking of the normal the the, the, uh, you can't use the definition in you can't use a word in this definition, but disruption is the breaking of normal. It's the interruption of normal. If that normal was before, and then it's something else after. Disruptor or disruption is the kind of breaking of the norm in one way or another. I see that. I see that too. I see that it's um, usually what happens is I find disruption usually comes from complacency and. In the world of business, there is usually, and a business people use all kinds of big fancy words, but one of the words they use is exposure. Mm-hmm. And in disruption to me graduates beyond one business or one entity's exposure and steps into um, an industry or a segment's exposure, usually led by technology. But it really stems from a place of complacency where a business is or an industry is comfortable with their earnings and their spending. They're not pioneering or innovating. At least they haven't found a way. So where are we at with disruption? And actually, before we start that one, Terry, what are a couple examples of disruption that we see today? So I I guess the one that that people see the most often would be thinking about Blockbuster and how Blockbuster had a chance to buy Netflix way back when and they never did. And then look where Netflix is now and look where Blockbuster is now. You can kind of see what it's like when someone comes in with a new idea and there's there was room for it before, but there wasn't a willingness to go through it. And then somebody else came in with that idea and then look how it changes the landscape. So Netflix is the one now churning out movies and Blockbuster. I think there's only one or two locations left in the world and they're kind of like mom and pop versions of the original chain. But you can see how this new idea and this novel execution came in and just totally changed things. It it effectively completely reduced the reliable industry to ashes, really. And it does have such an incredible impact. Some other examples yeah, might be Uber. Um Uber is a great example of a disruptor business where somebody saw a uh, regulated industry that was incredibly political and then realized that people were driving there anyway. Why not let them have a ride? And, you know, now it's grown into a place where, you know, it is somewhat regulated, but depending on the city and, and it's now providing a service and interrupting what was a traditional taxi service. Another one would be skip the dishes, which hasn't really which I think is an anomaly. I look forward to uh, talking about that one. I think Skip the Dishes as a disruptor uh, is a very, very special case. I would agree with that. Yeah, and uh, we'll we'll get to that one, I think, after we get into the guts of uh, is disruption good for us or bad for us, Terry? Uh, The answer is complicated. I would say that disruption can be good or it could be bad. I think that every now and then... um, there's there's a term that I'll borrow from biology. It's called uh, punctuated equilibrium. It's a period of stability followed by a little bit of disruption and then back to stability. The stability lets people get comfortable and it creates safety and it's the stability that makes ecosystems grow. But disruption is what kind of keeps things fresh. It what keeps things from going stale. It's what prevents society from stagnating. So this idea about disruption and stability, it's, it's cyclical and it happens over time. And you need these punctuated changes where someone comes in and challenges 
ideas. Skip the Dishes kind of did that with with takeout, kind of like Netflix did that with Blockbuster, with uh, video rentals and so on. So you can see that there's these periods where people have grown very accustomed to doing things in one way, and they're there's good things happening and lots of good movies were made before Netflix came out and lots of good movies will be made after Netflix came out. Netflix just changed how people access those movies. A lot of times these innovations aren't actually content changes. They're just changes in access. Mm -hmm. So they're not necessarily like disruption coming in and breaking everything, but they're definitely coming in and changing the way that we approach doing things. And that can be good. There are also for the case of let's use CDs for a second the people who made CDs made the people who made tape cassettes go broke. That sort of idea, that disruption does have consequences, even if it can be good. These same sorts of ideas happen cyclical and over time. They change the landscape and they keep it going forward. Some of the different areas that we talk about this, Terry, um, uh, I'm just going to throw a couple of out there for some foundational pieces to this is that there are artists now that are stopping making albums because and it, so this is where we often lose we go we say we looked at a disruption okay we had cds we went to the store we bought the cds many cd chains they got you know they ashes is a good word that you used um they literally became ashes and then the cds went away and then we started buying the songs. Now, yeah. that has stopped where you were never actually buying the songs. The license agreement said that you're, for personal use only, you're basically li licensing the song for personal use. It was never yeah. your song to have. It was never your CD uh, to, to listen to. And what they've changed now is now, because of the access of streaming services, you could have access to everything for one low fee, and then so on and so forth. People don't buy the albums as much as they did even so much as six months or a year ago. And artists are stopping quitting the music industry because of the fact that there's no album to buy. And there, there's no way to make money anymore because they get paid peanuts on the stream. So while it becomes accessible to us and more convenient, it's not providing any solution for the content creator. And in fact, um, the distribution house is what's making the money. So the irony is is that it went from accessibility to like, look at all the music I can get. Another middleman stepped in and has taken away what was disruption and now sort of, uh, you know, sold its own apples in order to sell apple pie, which doesn't make sense in, in the, the world of business. Yet here we are as consumers just gobbling it up. <laughs> Quite so. In the case of um, streaming music, you can see how even, it, even though societies gained access to music, and I'll say that that's a good thing, like we'll have the ability to gain access to music. Take a look, that segment of society has lost out. Artists, record producers, sound engineers. These, the, these jobs that have been lost as a result of less creation came at the, like, were what paid for us to have more access, kind of. You can think of it that way, that even though we, had a, we experienced a definite positive, that music became more accessible and there's a democratizing element there that I guess you can talk about, but there's also a cost that you paid in terms of literally people's jobs. Well, the same people that argue about there's no depth in the commercial music and in commercial music, uh, let's just forgive the fact that there is definitely a, a fine line uh, that separates commercial mainstream music and then just artists who create music. Uh, the, the lack of depth in pop music, for example, is a great example of, of, um, of exactly that. The the pool is not as deep as it used to be. There's a homogenized formula that the public gobbles up and the other people are struggling to make ends meet. It's just that simple. Um, and we've created that. Now, when we look at what, what this is, 
We're going to talk about Skip the Dishes in a second, but tell me, uh, is disruption overrated for us, Terry? I definitely think so. I, there's definitely a value in disruption, keeping things fresh, but really there's, there's a reason why innovation tends to actually come out more from stability. So research has found this in a couple of different contexts, but the one that I want to talk about uh, is here in North America, that the times that North America has been like on a war footing, like our involvement in the First and the Second World Wars, as well as, let's assume, the American involvement in Vietnam, those were areas where we were really focused on producing products that would help uh, that, that, that would help us win our various war efforts and so on. They were extremely productive in, in mechanical engineering terms, in terms of the breakthroughs and stuff like that, in terms of like keeping our troops safe and so on, but they really weren't all that productive in terms of stuff that made our life better compared to the eras just before and just after. This idea of upheaval and breaking things and desperation being the mother of invention. That's true. These things do spur innovation, but they don't spur innovation in the same way that having safety in groups and numbers uh, seems to produce it. There, there's a really neat paper that came out a couple years ago that was talking about, let, let, let's just use econometric measures for is more production happening when things are bad or when things are good? It's called the broken window. Mm. Um, and it found that it's actually more productive innovation-wise, when there's peacetime. These sorts of things that made it easier for uh, people to simply create. It created safety. It let them get comfortable. It let them build chemistry. There's well, creation versus force creation, really, isn't it? Absolutely, as you say. This idea about destruction breeding creation. No, it doesn't. The destruction breeds destruction. Creation breed creates creation. The, the point that I wanted to make is that you have to create after something's broken to get back to where you were. Right. That, that, that's not a plus. That's getting you back to zero. Yeah, it's debt. Yeah, it's debt. And then you have to work really hard to pay off the debt. You're not ahead. You paid off your debt. This idea that breaking things in upheaval and disruption cr automatically creates stuff is based on false assumptions, I think, or at least incomplete and uncontextualized assumptions. Short-sightedness, false assumptions, and so much more in business today. Now, if you can hang on one sec, Terry, I want to take a break because I do want to come back to talking about why I think Skip the Dishes is a problem and why I think Skip the Dishes is the perfect example of how this is short-sighted and doesn't work. Can you do that for me, Bill Bud? Absolutely. All right, I'm Zach. That's Terry. Uh, Terry Solius. He is from Queen's University. We're talking about disruptor business, the businesses that step in, uh, the new things that give us more accessibility. Are they good? Are they bad? This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This is not a uh, conversation that change is bad. It is just a conversation about are we really looking at what's best for me and for you and for our city and our country. This conversation continues with your thoughts and more. We're back with Terry. 770 CHQR next. Happy Friday. 
770 CHQR, I'm Zach in for Rob Breckenridge. I'm joined with uh, Terry Solius. Uh, Terry's from Queen's University. He's a PhD candidate in education, and we're talking about interruptions in business. And uh, just to address some text messages, Terry, as we get going here, first, thanks, Eric and Justin, for your kind words. I appreciate that one. Um, some of the text messages that are coming in about <laughs> get Canada out of the United Nations, that's a disruption we need. Uh, that's not disruption. That's decision-making. But I can, uh, I can tell you, though, uh, if you do believe that, Mike, um, I appreciate the text message. Uh, disruption in the case of politics like that would be creating a new United Nations is what that would be, just for some context of what we're talking about. Now, we are talking about disruption being um, overrated. Is it good? Is it bad? Change is always, it's always happening. So it's saying that change is good puts morality on it, and I don't ever like putting morality on it. It's always happening. The question is, are we driving it or are we riding it? That's where it always lands for me. Disruption moving us forward and skip the dishes, Terry, where does that land for you? So I, I myself have used skip the dishes uh, before. I tremendously have enjoyed that it gets me my food. It does that wonderfully for me, and I don't need to go outside. Here's the drawback, I think. I think that me getting the food and takeout means that there are servers that don't get paid based on me actually having been there. There are chefs that probably don't get tipped as directly because I think the only tipping that happens on Skip the Dishes goes straight to Skip the Dishes itself and to its drivers and its employees. But I would like to point out that it does a good job of getting access to a lot of people that otherwise wouldn't be able to get takeout food like that. Right. It gets it to them. So I guess it provides a service in that way. Well, I'm not I, sure that I think Skip the Dishes is being a disruption in the same kind of way that like something like Netflix was. I, I see Skip the Dishes as kind of being like a small incremental tweak that kind of connects people to the food even as it does empty out restaurants. Well, that's that's where the disruptor part comes in for me, is that becomes your living room becomes, a, you know, a food court. And the thing is, full disclosure is, I've spent time, I, I started driving Skip the Dishes, a couple of reasons, because, you know, make a little extra money, and I usually spend my time working at home in my office. So I will do it. I mean, there's been days when I've done, you know, morning radio shows and then go deliver a guy a pizza just to get out of the house. Now, I, um, so I've been on both sides of this, and I have a friend that owns a whole bunch of restaurants, so we have a lot of conversations about Skip the Dishes. And front to back, here's what Skip the Dishes does as an example. First of all, uh, it's a great idea. It's cool. We get our food. I'm not knocking on somebody having uh, uh, an idea and selling it for all kinds of money. Good for you. High five all around. When you order on Skip the Dishes, um, that restaurant pays, that's where Skip the Dishes gets paid, up to 30% in some cases of that order gets paid. So that money comes out of the restaurant owner, and now you're not going to the restaurant and ordering alcohol, sitting around, being able to be upsold the way that hospitality tries to upsell you with, hey, would you like dessert? So there's a big impact on the restaurant owners, and there's been an awful lot of articles around about what is going on with restaurants, and I, I do attribute that to a huge part. We don't tip those servers because we don't. You're paying a delivery fee, and quite often people won't um, tip a, a skip the dishes driver much more than the suggested dollar or two dollars because they're not the server. I shouldn't tip you 10%. And you get to make your decision about what's appropriate for that one. I can tell you that skip the dishes driver might drive 20 minutes just to get your food in traffic. They don't get paid for that time. And here's the problem with skip the dishes is that I say is that at three ninety five or whatever the minimum delivery fee is in, in, in some cases, those skip the dishes drivers, I assure you, are not making minimum wage without tips. And that's a problem for the economics about what goes on because they're a subcontractor. And so that's where the interruption part, to me, becomes lost and short-sighted. What do you think? I would agree with that. I could see that there's a variety of losses that come with that particular convenience. You can see how there are, there are people who are working hard to try and, make, try and make money. And if it wasn't for the tips, which Skip the Dishes doesn't really have to worry about because the, the tips come straight from us and go straight to 
either them or they take their cut of it, presumably. But those those particular losses are as a result of our convenience, us trying to get this particular convenience, and it comes back at that. I think that for Skip the Dishes, in terms of, like, it, it results in people making less of a minimum wage. Like, you, you, you can see that this is not the same kind of, like, well-paying work as a server might actually be. Like, like a server could actually make good money. You can raise, you, you, you can live off of a server's wage, mm-hmm. theoretically. Yeah, you I can. Mean, there are a variety of reasons why that could or could not be true, but theoretically you could. I'm not sure that you could make a living 100% off of Skip the Dishes wages. Well, once you factor in gas in the car, I'm not sure that's the case. Uh, Terry Solius, uh, I really appreciate this conversation. This is fantastic. I do look forward to continuing with you. We are up against the clock right now. Um, the Just to answer your question, as far as I understand, all the tips do go to the drivers. I do not know right. if the Skip the Dishes does take a cut on the delivery fee or not. I don't know that part. But um, it's creative business, man. I say good for you. Go create. And look at the access. Look what we've created with this. Let's just not forget in disruption and access. I think, Terry, that's a great word. Thank you for that word. Is that in that axis, let's not forget the humans in between. That's where I want to leave that conversation today. Thank you so much, Terry. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me on. Have a great weekend. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.